how to write your own story of overcoming adversity based on your history, your life experiences, and your personal goals through storytelling and designing your own adventure with the author of Clean Out Your Life Closet, Corby Mitlead, on episode 222 of the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. You are not fighting cancer because what you fight fights back. And you are not going to be a survivor because survivors hang on by teeth and toenails. You are going to be a cancer dancer. You're going to find out how graceful you can be under pressure. You're going to avoid getting your toes stepped on and you're going to get off the dance floor in one piece. That's your call. Hey, this is Bernie Lynn, author of Through the Storm of Early Trauma, where I help people heal and overcome early trauma. You're connected with Dr. Brad Miller, where he helps you navigate traumatic events on the Beyond Adversity podcast. Welcome to the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller, the show dedicated to helping you crush adversity and succeed in life. Brad believes you deserve a life that is fulfilling and impactful. And this show is designed to help you navigate beyond adversity and achieve your life of peace, prosperity, and purpose. Now, here's Dr. Brad. Hello to the good people. Welcome to the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. This is the podcast where we help you to grow through what you go through, navigating adversity in your life to achieve your life of peace, prosperity, and purpose. Glad to have you with us. And you can always go to drbradmiller.com slash 40-day way to learn more about our coaching program, the 40-day way, which helps you develop your PLP, your promise life plan, a written document to get you from being stuck to having your promise life in 40 days. drbradmiller.com is where you can find over 200 episodes of this podcast designed to help you to navigate adversity in your life. Today, we're talking about the examined life, looking deep within self in order to overcome great adversity. We have with us the author of Clean Out Your Life Closet. Her name is Corby Mitlead. She had a tough go of it in life. She had three bout, three bouts of breast cancer, went through multiple divorces, experienced poverty and abuse, hit bottom in many ways. Her response to that situation in life was the examined life. She chose to fight back and to become what she called, among other things, a cancer dancer, which is her way of fighting back. And by discovering concepts of clarity and adaptability and simplicity and, and to deal effectively with stress. She did that and she's put that in about how to clean out your life closet, which has to do with the examined life and rewriting your life story. Her name is Corby Mitlead. When we come back on the other side of the interview, we're going to talk about what you can do in order to specifically clean out your personal life closet. Her book can be found at cleanoutyourlifecloset.com. Let's get into this conversation right now. Corby Mitlead is our author guest today. She's the author of Clean Out Your Life 
Closet. She has a fascinating story of overcoming some significant adversity in her life. And then she has something to teach us about how to have clarity in your life. So Corby, welcome. Welcome to Beyond Adversity. It's great to be here. Thank you for asking me. Indeed. Thank you so much. And in your life, you have various experiences in your life, but I don't want to reveal them myself. I want you to share them. But you have had a number of challenges, have you not? And I think they have helped form you to who you are today and what you do to help share your life experiences with others. If you don't mind, just take a moment to share a little bit about your life, some of the challenges that you've had, some of the adversities. Start wherever you'd like to start and help us in pivot to what you're doing right now. I think the best way to look at it is going through life roller coaster, no breaks. Started with a very dysfunctional childhood. Mother and alcoholic cross-addicted with barbiturates, who was physically abusive. I was the black sheep of the family. They were all medical. I was a writer. I was a visionary. I was an actress. I could have stood on the dining room table and recited Shakespeare, and they wouldn't have seen me. (laughs) Dropped out of Brown University after two and a half years. Back in those days, it was pass-fail. You could take your eight courses and then do Swedish and basket weaving. I was not equipped for that. Okay. But I went out to figure out who I was. In the process, two very short, bad marriages. First one, less than a year. The day he started hitting me, I left. Second one, less than two years. He just decided he didn't like being married and left. Third one has worked very well. We're at our 20th anniversary this year. However, before that, poverty, rape, abuse. Always thinking that my mother was right, that I really was as worthless as she said, and I was going into the world proving it. Finally found the right guy. I jokingly say after marrying two bad biker boys, I married Father Mulcahy from MASH. And if you see a picture of my (laughs) husband, he's a dead ringer for William Christopher. We We had a great marriage after a year and a half, but then I got my third bout of breast cancer. The first bout had been in 1989 when I was acting in New York. I was 34, four lumpectomies, radiation, and thought we were done. 2000, I had skin cancer from the radiation, more surgery. They were misshapen and scarred, but they were still there. In 2004, the doctor said, you have a second primary, turns the clock back to zero, but three strikes are out. We're taking the rack, we're taking your ovaries, and you're going from this Dolly Parton figure to a fat fire plug with permanent side effects, and we're going to damage you so thoroughly inside, you'll never have sex again. Suck it up. Oh, that's great. For the first 24 hours, I went home and cried. Sure. Then I said to myself, I know what I need to do. And I worked with lessons I learned at the Option Institute in Massachusetts many years before. And that was, you got to find three reasons to be okay with it, no matter how stupid they were. So number one, you don't have them. You can't get cancer there. Number two, the rack is not going to get slammed in the refrigerator door at the doctor's every year, and every woman listening knows exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay. Third. I love it. Go ahead. Third, implants. Cool. I'll be perky till I'm 93. So <laughs> after double master, and I was a 44 triple D, tiny waist of right. When I say Dolly Parton, I mean it. Um, right. Got out of Massachusetts General Hospital after a double mastectomy and reconstruction in three days. Shopped for a bathing suit in five. That was 2004. This is 2022. I'm 67. I'm clean. And I've learned who I was without the looks. 
My husband wow. proved what a hero he was because he said, am I going to miss them? Oh, yeah, they were gorgeous. But I married you, <laughs> not them. Is it well, the marriage we expected it to be? No. Have we had to work on it? Yes. But at year 20, we are more in love now than we were the day we were married because of the work. What a cool story. Tragedy is involved in a mess and all the emotion, all the physical health issues and marital issues and body image stuff and all kinds of things going on there. And yet you're in a better place. And that's what we'd love to mm -hmm. talk about here on our Beyond It. We like to try talk about going through the wilderness experience to come to your life of peace, prosperity, and purpose. You can't get there really without having the journey. You just, you got to have that painful journey there. And I love one of the images you have in some of the material read about you. You have this cancer dancer mentality. Yes. And I just love that. That uh, is so important. That. I want every one of your listeners, whether you've had cancer or you know someone dealing with it, listen to me carefully. You are not fighting cancer because what you fight fights back. And you are not going to be a survivor because survivors hang on by teeth and toenails. You are going to be a cancer dancer. You're going to find out how graceful you can be under pressure. You're going to avoid getting your toes stepped on, and you're going to get off the dance floor in one piece. That's your goal. And that's about reframing, rethinking again about yes. your circumstances are your circumstances, but they don't have to define you. And that's that's an awesome thing. But let's go back a little bit and then take from where you were at that one time, because you said some mm -hmm. significant things here, Corby, Good. about how you got from that point of mm -hmm. devastation to where you're at now. But what do you think were some of the really key actions that you did back then and maybe even continually? If you narrow down just a few things that some of the things are real pivotal things that you did to take action. I have learned along the way to live the examined life. Mm, now, what okay. does that mean? That means this is happening. Sucks. I don't want it, yeah. but it's going to happen. So the first thing you need to ask yourself is what's the lesson in it? And not a lesson like a finger shaking in your face, but how can my life change for the better with it? What do I need to learn? Because of my natural bent, my next question is, how can I teach with it? And the next word is next. Do not stay stuck in your story. Look, I know women that had stomach cancer 12 years ago, and they introduced themselves. Hi, my name is Mary Jane, and I'm a cancer survivor. I do not introduce myself as, hi, I'm Corby. I was the 1973 Betty Crocker homemaker of tomorrow from New Jersey. I was, but I'm not that person now. Who will you be now? Stop being stuck in the pity party, the pain. And so many people do get stuck. They, whenever adversity happens, it happens to all of us. A, I have a friend of mine who... Two or three days after he retired, I just retired a month ago, but he retired a year mm -hmm. or so ago. Few about three days after he retired, he dropped over dead, and his wife and he had plans. Literally, he died Common. the day his died. He died a few days after he retired, and the very day his wife retired. And of course, they had all these plans and so on and so forth to travel and what have you. But the life happens, and now she's she's doing okay, but still in the in grief for several years now. Yes. And so you, you choose whether you stay stuck or not. You have to deal with That's the reality, right. you know, the, of the of circumstances. You've got, you got to have your proper amount of grief or whatever it is. You but are entitled have, to mourn. Absolutely. Right. But, but don't you, but you choose there. then if you're going to stay stuck or not. And you're giving us some lessons here 
on not being stuck. And so many people get stuck and they have the, I call it the malaise of mediocrity or the malaise of, of this type of life. So you've given us some great things there. Thank you. Tell us now about, I'm a really big believer, Corby, that we have to come to this better place through a process. And part of that process is taking an action thing. Mm -hmm. I also believe in what you said a minute ago about the examined life, the inner life. And tell me about any kind of a sensitivity you had about connecting to something greater than self. Call it what you you will. Call it spirituality, call it whatever. But how did, because I'm going to connect to something greater than self, become part of your process. Number one, I am an intuitive counselor, but I tell people, I do not care if you are Christian, Jewish, Buddhist, Muslim, pagan, or believe in Ralph the Wonder Dog. I really don't. All I ask is that you know that somebody up there loves you, wants the best for you, and is willing to work with you. Because I'm sorry, I do not believe that I handled this cancer all in my little onesies. Yeah. I know that I am meant to teach. I am meant to heal. Corby Mitleid is a chosen name. Mitleid is German for compassion. It reminds me why I do the work I do. Okay. And as far as I know, is angels, guides, whoever said, look, we have been trying to get you out of this head about I'm only worth what I look like for a long time. That's why the Mm cancer has been breast cancer. We Mm -hmm. need you down there to teach. So we're going to remove the problem. That's why it was a second primary. Hadn't gone anywhere. Bought its bathing suit. Nothing. So that the danger clock went back to zero. But the doctors felt the person I was had to be trashed, Hmm. which is why I had to stop living the story of who I was and find out who I was going to be. Sure. And the story you described was pretty brutal of how your, was described how the doctors described your body situation. They would brutalize almost anybody, let alone someone who had some sensitivity about their identity being somehow connected to their physicality. When you're at a teaching hospital, very often you're a meet and a diagnosis. Luckily, I mean, I had two surgeons, one was the oncology surgeon who did the stuff. And then there was my plastic surgeon who in our house, we call Madame Artiste and Doc Miracle because she is and she made them. I don't look like I did. Yeah, I still don't look 67, but I attribute that to no kids. Takes 10 years off your looks right there. But it is, it's who I am. I am obviously not a size two blonde with a trust fund. So when I say you can get through stuff, people believe me. They hear my story and they realize I'm not going to judge them for having to go through what they did. Everybody stumbles. Everybody wants to heal. And so that's why I give them the tools I had. Corby, tell me a little bit about... What you do now, we've talked a little bit about the actions that you took and a little bit about going to the inner life, the examined life that you talked about. Let's talk about you, how you live your life now. I call it how you think and act with disciplines now. What are some of the ways you live life now? What are the ways you teach others? What are the ways that you practices that you may have either with your husband or with your life that give you fulfillment now? I work six days a week, 14 hours a day. You cannot get me on Wednesdays. I'm an intuitive counselor. Some people will call it a psychic medium, but I'm also a reverend because a lot of what I do is spiritual counseling, pastoral counseling. I am not a Madam Hoo-ha who is going to give you a magic spell or remove a curse. That is so not me. 
my whole point is here are your opportunities and how to grab them. Here's the tough stuff. Here's how to get through it or around it. Here's your toolbox. Go rock and roll. So I teach people to ask empowering questions. I show them what their options are, but remind them life is free will. I may hand you a toolbox, but I am not the repairman. And it's the reason that I wrote the book, Clean Out Your Life Closet, because too many of them think that they're not in control. They read self-help books and they think I have to do everything that was in the book, which is so wrong. I mean, my first self-help book when I was 13, 1968, I remember the first paragraph. Judy has a groovy wardrobe. She has fab hair and her makeup is far out. But nobody likes Judy because Judy's fat. Right there in the first paragraph, a 13-year-old is told, you are worthless except what you look like. And we all bought it. So when someone says, I bought this self-help book, and she says that I have to avoid food with leptin, and I have to get up every morning before dawn and do yoga, and this is a woman from Milwaukee who's a single mom with two kids, it is not going to happen. So I wrote my book, Clarity, Adaptability, Simplicity, and Making Friends with Stress. But at the end of each chapter are the adventure pages where you get questions posed that you have to answer from your own life. You can't turn to page 84 and figure it out. If you do all those questions at the end of the book, this becomes your personal. So it's called the book is Clean Out Your Life Closet. And I'm Go with that metaphor a little bit. And also, I'm interested in this interact, this interactive nature of your book. It sounds like at the end of each chapter, each section, people will have to work with you in order to write their own story. Is that somewhat accurate to what you're about? That is completely accurate. Let's take the chapter, Life is a Tiny House. I give you three questions. Okay. How do you view stuff? How do you view your stuff in particular? How does your stuff serve you? Is there stuff that now merely gets in the way? If so, what specific stuff is it and how does it hinder you? Which of the six questions about stuff gave you the most insight on your stuff situation? <laughs> so notice they have to look at their own lives. And when they do that, they understand they have their own answers. I can help as a guide, but they're the ones who make the magic. And this is the kind of thing that so many people need to know. Don't always look at somebody else to tell you what to do. Trust yourself. Who knows you better than you? Yeah, it just sounds like you're helping people to guide them towards identifying the, what is truly valuable in their life, what truly brings meaning in life. I'm a real believer that there's almost an epidemic of meaninglessness in our world right now. And there's a real craving for meaningfulness. And sometimes people do ascribe it to stuff, don't they? They say, okay, I got this outfit or this car or whatever it is, and they ascribe un undue value to that. And uh, who's the, uh, help me out, I'm going to go off a slight tangent. Who's the woman who does the put value? Marie Kondo. Kondo, that's it. That's what reminded me of what you're talking about here. You know, you're using it as a metaphor, but it's real life too. People do need to get rid of stuff, you know. Yeah, in fact, one of the people who reviewed the book to me is the Marie Kondo, The Heart and Soul, which I loved. <laughs> that was terrific. Oh, that is awesome. So people, and so Clean Out Your Life Closet has to do with this identifying, and it sounds to me, it's like a deal with it situation. That's what I used to tell my kids when they would 
want me to solve there. My my kids are all adults now, and I got grandkids now. But they, they would come to me with some issue and want me to solve it for them. And I would often say, a DWI, deal with it. And they didn't like that, still don't. But it sounds like what you're helping people to do that, but give them some guidance and directions toward towards that. So First awesome. thing I tell people, three most important questions you can ask yourself in any situation. What am I X about? X is angry, depressed, sad, whatever. Why am I X about that? And the question we never ask ourselves, what do I think would happen if I stopped being X about hmm. that? Wow. Stimulus belief response. And one of the things you talk about here, the four parts of your book is simplicity. And we do tend to live in what we believe is a complex world. And there certainly are things we you got to deal with. But what is one way, what is one strategy that you may have, Corby, about taking what you may feel as complex or a strategy to simplify life? Give us something to go with. I always tell people carry experiences, not things. Okay. And what does that mean? That means there are people who collect stuff, whether it's Disney pins, depression glass, whatever. Mm -hmm. There are people who collect people. In the book, I refer to it as Rolodex people, and I really have to change that if I ever rewrite it. Nobody <laughs> yeah, knows nobody knows what a Rolodex is. That's part of the simple. I know, but the idea that as many people as you can get in your life, that's great. They're the been that done that people. They're the ones who always go to a restaurant on the first day or opening night of theater, or they've always attended every dead concert there ever oh, was. Yeah, yeah. But then there are the experienced people. And the example I use is they go to help out at a food kitchen. It's not a see what I did. It's not a meet the people there. It is bless the food, hand it to the person who's hungry, connect eyes, meet eyes, bless them while you're giving it to them. Realize you are helping to heal a life. To me, that's worth more than any flat screen TV, any restaurant attendance, and any person I've ever known. And going back to what we said earlier about fulfillment, more often mm -hmm. than not, people get more fulfillment out of those types of moments than whatever, buying the new thing that gives them a, a burst of energy or a jump for joy for a day or two, but doesn't mm -hmm. last. Everything will rust and go away eventually. Everything will. The experience yes. is a part of who we are. See, and I think a lot of people also, would you talk about simplifying life? Would you agree with me that a lot of people take what should be simple and complicated, but they make their life more stressful than it has to be? Those are double thinkers. Yeah. And, you know, when you're always trying, well, if I do this, then they'll do that. But if they do that. Oh, yeah. So very often I'll say to one of my clients, how old are you? I'll say 36. And I go, no, you're 72. What do you mean? <laughs> it's because. First, you live outside, and then you do the same thing in your head, and you're twice as old as you are. Stop it. <laughs> and they go, oh, yeah, yeah, they get it. Yeah. I call that overthinking. And my people in my life who overthink, they oh, what if this? And I think, mm -hmm. okay, we don't know any of that until you do it, that kind of thing. Tell me about in your book and in your teaching and what you're about, people who you've touched or you've seen come through what either reading your book or something you teach about who you've seen had some sort of a transformation that they've had something happen there and it's been a good thing. Tell us a story. I always consider it an honor that I've been able to help them, but I remind them that I am just the tube that the information comes through. It ain't me. 
And the example I give is a hammer does not strut around on the back deck and go, look at this cheek deck. I did such a, no, I'm sorry. You hit your head against a nail and somebody was wielding the hammer. The hammer did not do it. So I am, if you will, like that hammer. I teach people about being a Martian detective quick. I'm sorry. Say that again, please. What was that phrase you just used? Happy Martian detective. Happy Martian detective. You were sitting. That's what I thought you said. I just want to make sure I got it right. Yeah. Okay. If you were sitting across from me and you had water coming out of your eyes, I might say, hey, Brad, why are you crying? But I could be wrong. Yeah. Gleeble, the Martian, who has been assigned to come and take a look at humanity, gets out of the little spaceship and he's all excited and he wanders over to you and he goes, why is there water coming from your eyes? And <laughs> you might get a better answer because maybe there's an emotional basis, but maybe contact lenses are bugging you or maybe they're allergies. So the story example I give is there was a guy married, had a kid. He was in a very bad car accident. His face looked like spin art when they repaired it. Mm. He was always very embarrassed by how he looked, but he's still married and had a kid. One night he was putting his daughter to bed and she grabs his face and swooshes it next to hers and says, this would be a great picture, but it would be better if mommy's face were in the picture. Mm. Old him would have said, even my daughter thinks I'm hideous. Can you imagine the PTSD for decades? Oh my. Instead, he knew how to be a Martian detective. Why would it be a better picture if mommy's face were in the picture? Kid looks at him and says, because mommy can't hold the camera still and you take good pictures. (laughs) <laughs> so Boom. there that, because that just he transformed asked, the whole thing, didn't it? You know, the whole thing. This is why it's better perspective. Questions, yeah. questions are not signs of doubt. They're they help us crystallize what we know. Awesome. Awesome. And so you've had some folks who you've worked with and who you've seen these type of aha moments happen or these transitions. And that's very gratifying, isn't it? When that happens and it is a privilege. It is a privilege. It's humbling. Humbling. It's humbling. Yes. And it's good to know maybe a little of the pain of the world I have managed to dissipate. Yeah. And your book, Clean Out Your Life Closet, is all about that, just helping a little bit. It seems like it, it's a steps in the right direction to, as you as you say, gain clarity. And that's, when I hear about clarity, that's just kind of the opposite of confusion. And there is a lot of confusion in the world. Adaptability. Because there's so much that is rigid, that we think is rigid and not necessarily. And then you, we talked a little bit about simplicity, and then you also talk about stress. And uh, stress is not always a bad thing, isn't it? It's just, uh, it can be helpful to nope. help us get through it. Yeah. It, yeah. It's you stress, which is what they call good stress and bad stress. And you got to know the difference. Sure. I, I'm just a believer that, as we talked a little bit before, in order to get that to that good place, I to call it the place, the promised life of peace, prosperity, and purpose. Because you, when you have those things, you're in a good place. Like you've mentioned here about your marriage and things like that. But you don't get there instantaneously. So I've said 40 years as a pastor, and I probably have had 300 weddings in my life. And I have no idea how many lasted, but not not a high percentage lasted. Mm-hmm. But it was always said, it's not about the wedding. It's about your life together. And so many people were so focused on the wedding day and that that kind of stuff. So... It's about uh, having value in your life and love what you have to share here and what you're all about. And the uh, website, tell us, tell us a little bit about how people can get a hold of you, find out more about what you're about, maybe get a hold of your book or more about what you're about. How can be people get connected to you, Corby? Oh, Brad, they can't avoid me. It's that simple. <laughs> uh, website is CorbyMitlai.com. 
If you go into the first page, you'll see all three of my books and you can find Clean Out Your Life Closet. You can order the book on Amazon, paperback, Kindle, or an audiobook. And I'm the one who read the audiobook for you. Awesome. For the other YouTube medium, Patreon, Instagram, Twitter, it's all Corby Midlife. And Corby Midlife is spelled C O R B I E M I T L E I D dot com. And we will put all those connections at, at our website, drbradmiller.com. A fascinating conversation here today, Corby Mitlide, and, and you got something good to offer people. I tell you what, this the whole metaphor of cleaning out your life a little bit. That's a big one. That, that's a big one. A couple of years ago, uh, a few years ago, when my father died and my mother had to move, we had to clean out their house, which had tons of stuff. And that was a huge, it was an emotional thing, but it was a huge deal just to clean out their whole house. But it was a good, a good thing as well. Appreciate your good work, my friend. And I got a feeling our audience is going to, has gained great value from what you've shared. And we appreciate it. Again, her name, Corby Mitlide, the author of Clean Out Your Closet, all about clarity, ad- adaptability, simplicity, and stress. We thank you for being our guest today on the Beyond Adversity podcast. We do want to thank Corby Mitlead, the author of Clean Out Your Life Closet, for being our guest today on Beyond Adversity. Fascinating person. Get into her website if you if you can uh, and learn about her book at cleanoutyourlifecloset.com and to learn more about the Examine Life and about what she has to offer there. She What you can do right away is to get a free chapter of the book right there on her website, clean out your life closet and discover what she is really talking about when she talks about uh, getting clarity in your life and discovering that you have abundance already there through simplicity and through embracing adaptability and understanding that friend, that stress is a friend and a teacher. You're going to learn a lot from her. Go to her website, clean out your life closet, get that free chapter of the book and apply it to your life. Here at the Beyond Adversity Podcast, we are here to serve you, to help you to grow through what you go through, to get through adverse life events, depression, divorce, disease, debt, death, any of those things. We have many, uh, many episodes which can be helpful to you. We have our own course, which can be helpful to you as well, and coaching program. You can head over to drbradmiller.com slash 40-day way to learn more about our 40-day way program which helps you discover and write your PLP, your personal life plan, which helps you to get from being stuck to being in a better place in 40 days. We're here to be helpful to you and to speak into your life. Until then, friends, Dr. Brad Miller, encouraging you to always do all the good that you can. Thank you for listening to the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. You can find a complete archive of all episodes at drbradmiller.com. That's drbradmiller.com. Or subscribe for free through Apple Podcasts and never miss an episode. Each week, we bring you a message to crush adversity and live your life of peace, prosperity, and purpose.